right, boys and girls, welcome to another moment with Eric Fleming. Kind of a slow day today, thank God. You know, you don't have too many slow days with this guy as President of the United States, Mr. Trump. You don't have him. Fortunately for us, he's in another country. He is uh, over at the G7 summit. And uh, he's doing his normal thing. When I say normal thing, I mean he uh, he's screwing up. <laughs> I don't know what to say. He's screwing up as usual, right? Um. So, for example, they were having the uh, meeting about the climate deal, right? A meeting about the agreement that the United States, under Trump's administration, doesn't want anything to do with. Most of the time, the American, uh, the Republicans have not been a big fan of these climate accords, regardless of who did them, what where, Paris, Kyoto, whatever. So Trump is following that tradition. That's nothing unusual. The thing that is kind of unusual is the fact that he feels that he has to lie about his whereabouts. Right? And so, when asked, where is the president, why is he not at the climate meeting? Well, he had a meeting with the German and leader leaders of Germany and Italy and I mean, uh, India, and he couldn't uh, he couldn't attend that and talk to them at the same time. But you know what the funny thing is about that? The German Chancellor and the Indian Prime Minister were at that meeting. They were sitting right next to each other. They were at the meeting that he couldn't attend because he was meeting with them. And based on where he was supposed to sit, he could have kind of leaned over the table and said, hey man, you want to switch spots because I need to talk to the Chancellor and uh, and the Indian Prime Minister. Dude. Can you switch seats with me so I can do that? While y'all talking about this climate thing, we, we don't really care about it, you know, so I need to holler at them real quick. Wow, I got a moment. He could have done that. But instead, he lied. Which is something he loves doing. See, because if you do it that much, as much as he does it, you got to love it. Got to love it. He doesn't believe in what he does. I, you know, he just tells lies to be telling lies. Because there's no reason to tell lies. And he knows that regardless regardless of how he acts what he lies about how he interacts with people how he talks about people no matter how racist he is and what no matter what um, people 
are going to support them. So let's go back. So, and this is how dangerous it is, right? You know, people are saying, oh, he's panicking, oh, he's this and that. No, he is who he is. He has always been a big, giant baby. He has always been a narcissistic fool. He has always been this kind of human being that you would not want your kids or your grandkids to grow up to be. No matter how much money you got. You would not want your child to be that way. People talk about millennials entitled. What do you think he is? And so... But despite all that, despite the fact that he has no clue about how to govern, he has no clue about the Constitution, he has no clue about being presidential, he has no clue about doing the right thing at the right time, the right way. None. He doesn't care about that. All he cares about is what he can get away with and when he can get away with it. How soon he can get away with it. He wants things to go his way. His way all the time. He doesn't care about anybody else. He doesn't care about the nation that he's supposed to be representing and serving. He doesn't care. But for him, it doesn't matter because the people that support him are going to vote for him anyway. They're going to vote for him. When you have a woman go on national TV in a city that is not known for high employment rates. You've been through the recessions. It's one of those cities where the recession really kicked them in the butt. Right? And she said, when asked if Donald Trump doesn't do well with the economy, which is supposed to be a strong suit, if he doesn't do well with the economy, and it gets so bad that you lose your job, will you still vote for him? She said yes. She said yes. She said she would vote for him. No hesitation, no equivocation, nothing. So I bring that up, right? Because there's no way there is no way you can tell me that a black person would have said that about Barack Obama. If Barack Obama was like Donald Trump. If Barack Obama was the worst president ever, right? He was, I mean, he was worse, you know, if he was doing exactly what Donald Trump is doing now, right? If he was just doing half as bad as Trump is doing now, and there's a policy that he's put out there that's going to cost black people jobs. There is no way you won't tell me that black people would have voted for Barack Obama. There's no way. There's no way they would have said it. That would have been the headline. That would have been all on Fox News. Right? In a way, they were going to vote for him. Because people ain't, some people ain't that stupid. Some people ain't. Right? So they wouldn't they wouldn't have done that. So 
what is the real motivation? I would vote for a guy who's in charge of the country that I live in. Even if it costs me my job. And not the fact that I vote for him costs my job. The fact that he gets reelected because his policies cost me my job. His economic policies, his ideas cost me my job. Cost me to be laid off or my plant to be closed or business to go under, whatever. I lost my job because of this guy. You think I'm going to go on national TV and say I'm voting for him? Hell no. There ain't no way I'm going to do that. If I know that that so-and-so, such-and-such, that crazy public policy did something to jeopardize putting food on my table, making sure that my children or my family eats, I'm going to support that, man. So what would make a human being say something crazy like that? Right? What would force somebody? What, what, would, what, what would have to be going through their mind to say such a thing? What is it that they really, really want? And that Spice Girl song, tell me what I want, what I really, 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 really want, right? What do they really, really want? What do Trump supporters really, really want? To the point where they'll be willing to sacrifice their job, their livelihood. What do they really, really want? I mean, somebody needs to really get into that. Really. Now, I have some theories. But, you know, people people get upset about some of the theories I have about these people. They say, well, that's not, that's not really based on anything. You just, you know, kind of, I mean, you kind of name calling at that point and yada, yada, yada. All I'm saying is this. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. I'm going to leave it at that. So for the next four minutes, this is what I want to take. If you are somebody running for public office during that time, if you're somebody that wants to be involved in the electoral process, then I suggest that you get out and vote this election. Because if you do not, those people are coming. 
They're voting. They are voting. And they are going to vote for him. Even if it means his idiotic policies cost them their jobs, their livelihoods, their security. They're going to vote for him anyway. You sit up here thinking, well, you know, man, there's no way these folks gonna vote for him again. He's shown he's just such a such a clown and he's done this and he's done that, man. Ain't no way these people are gonna vote for him again. That's what y'all said four years almost four years ago. Three years ago. That's what y'all said. Even President Obama said, there's no way America's gonna vote for this guy. But he did. They did vote. In big numbers. Now, did he win the majority of the popular vote? No, he did not. But, he won the states that he's supposed to win to get the electoral college. Right? So, because the other candidate decided there's no need to campaign there. There's no way those folks are going to vote for him. But he did. So, regardless of who the Democratic nominee is, we'll say this again. Regardless of who the Democratic nominee is, if you want that person in office, you can't pray it. You can't just be on your knees with your eyes closed wishing it. You can't do that. You got to get up off your butt and show up on election day. Now, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. Because you did it before. You did it before. Two thousand eight, you showed out. 2012 wasn't bad, but 2008, you showed out. So I know you can do it. Right? The key is... I shouldn't have to ask you to do it. I shouldn't have to beg you to do it. You should want to do it. But if you ain't motivated to do it now, you're never going to be motivated. And I'm telling you, if you don't show up, if you don't want Donald Trump to be president anymore, and you don't show your butt up on election day in November of 2020, if that doesn't happen, right, then do not be surprised, hurt, devastated by the fact that he got reelected. This is totally on you. Mark that day on the calendar. First Tuesday in November. <laughs> I need you to put that on your calendar. I need you to clear that day. Don't care what kind of job you got. Don't care what kind of business you have. I need you to clear that day. You got a doctor's appointment, cancel it. You supposed to be going on a movie, that's fine. As a matter of fact, don't cancel it. Just push it to a time and make sure that for 30 minutes to an hour, 
you block some time out so you can go vote. Between 7 o'clock in the morning and 7 p.m. at night, no matter what time zone you are in, vote. If you're in Oregon and you get your ballot, mail it in. If you're in a state with early voting, the first day the early voting opens, go. Whatever you, but if you if you can't do any of that, if you ain't got no stamps, <laughs> which I don't think you have to worry about Oregon, but let's just say you don't think you can mail it, you don't think you can get to the polls the three weeks before the election. Don't think you need that. Whatever you are doing the first Tuesday of November 2020, whatever you thought about doing, make sure that you set aside 30 minutes to an hour. That's probably only going to take you five minutes. But if everybody answers my call, it may be a line. And it may be raining. It may be snowing. It may be a hailstorm. I don't give a damn what it is. If it's not a tornado or a hurricane, and I tell you what, if you think it's a hurricane coming, you better vote absentee. If you think a tornado's coming, you better vote absentee. Other than that, you ain't got damn excuse. Not First Tuesday, November 2020. Put it on your calendar mark it down and say make some time to make a change write down your calendar right now make some time to make a change go vote you got to because the other folks regardless of how foolish this man is regardless of how much of an embarrassment he has been regardless of the fact that a guy who basically takes blame for Donald Trump being president is now running against him. That's how bad it is. They gonna vote for him any damn way. So guess what you got to do? You got to get out there and you got to vote. And you know, there's always been a little saying in the black community, like vote like your life depends on it. Your life depends on it. This ain't a quote. This ain't no cute saying. This is real talk. Your life depends on it. You can have that attitude. Chickens coming home to roost and all that stuff if you want to. That's great. That's actually a great analogy. But here's the thing. Your butt's going to be thrown in a fire plant, frying pan with the rest of them chickens. They might put you in the pressure cooker so they can cook you crispy quick. Do you understand what I'm saying to you folks? Have y'all got do y'all get that? Because I will be constantly reminding you to make time to make a change. It's the first Tuesday of November 2020. Put that on your calendars, please. Make it make some time, make a change, go vote.
Catch y'all on the other side. So we're back, and um, I just want to say, you know, I, I just just can't stress enough. We're gonna we're gonna talk about this voting thing. I we talk about the other side as we go along. I'm gonna remind folks to make some time to make a change. Go vote, right? We we gotta do that. And. Uh, that's that's gonna be a mantra. We're gonna do that. Got to. Because the mother folks gonna do it. And let me tell you why it's and it's basically it's, this is like a conversation I had with a family member of mine. He educated me on something. So, back in the late 70s, very early 80s, Ford Motor Company made a car called a Pinto. Right? Some of y'all may have heard of it. It's a little bitty car. Chevy came out with a counter called the Chevelle. Right? Something like that. But Ford made this Pinto, and it was, you know, usually when Ford makes a car, it's usually a pretty good selling car. Ford tends to be pretty good in that market, right? So, Pinto was a hot selling car. Problem was, it had a slight flaw. The way that the fuel tank was designed, if you rear-ended the car, the car would explode. never a good thing. Many rear-end collisions that you may have had or you may have seen. Just imagine if every one of them ended in an explosion. How crazy would that be, right? That was what was kind of going on and I believe I may be wrong on the number, but I believe 117 people died based on those collisions because I think they made the car for about 10 years, 70, 1970, 1980. So, they, they realized that they had this flaw and they realized they had a problem. So, they wanted to go ahead and settle with these people, uh, families who had died, and you know any other potential lawsuits that come down the road. So somehow, some way, Ford Motor Company came up with this formula, which basically said that a human life is worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. 
$50,000. Right? Okay, so that's, that's a base. So if, if you had been following a lot of the tort reform stuff, right? Uh, back in the early 2000s when they were saying that there was this jackpot justice and these runaway lawsuit settlements and all that kind of stuff, right? They wanted to curtail the money that was being won in these settlements. The number that they threw out was $250,000 as a cap for damages, punitive damages. The actual damages, you know, if the doctor bills are going to be $2 million, you're going to get $2 million if you win, right? Or more. But as far as punitive damages, they wanted to cap that at $250,000. That's where they got the number from. The old, reliable Ford Pinto. That's where they got it from. Okay? So... Now, as we saw grossly exaggerated in the Ronald Goldman wrongful death case, right, lawsuit that was brought against O.J. Simpson, now they also calculate that $250,000 is the base point, right, that's the starting point. So, then they look at what potential income you could have made say you live another 30, 40, 50 years, right? Based on that, then it's determined, it's kind of like the, the formulary to determine how much somebody should sue for in a wrongful death, right? How much money could that person have made? For example, one of the people that was pushing tort reform in Mississippi, um, a doctor, while he was advocating that there should be a cap of $250,000 for everybody else's kid. When his kid died a crazy, tragic death, swinging on a giant swing, before Katrina, there was this, the Biloxi Yacht Club had this big, giant swing where multiple people could get on it, right? So this kid jumped on the swing by himself. Whatever he was doing, he lost his balance, he fell, had major head trauma, and died. Tragic story. His daddy, now remember, his daddy is the one pushing for, or would later push for tort reform and say that all you can get your child, your child, my child is $250,000. That daddy, that doctor sued for $12 million to the yacht club he was a member of. Nobody at the yacht club put his son on the swing. Nobody at the yacht club was pushing the swing. The only thing that he had in common with the yacht club was he was a member. And he was out doing his thing. The child was on the swing, swinging and basically killed himself. Right? But he sued for $12 million. 
Fred Goldman, the father of Ronald Goldman, who was murdered along with Nicole Brown Simpson in that horrible tragedy, right? Ronald Goldman was a waiter. Now, he was a waiter at a nice restaurant, but he was a waiter. The Goldmans felt the legal team did the formulary and said, based on his potential income, he was worth $20 million. Now, I don't know if that's based on what his occupation was going to be. I don't know if it was the fact of what they presumed his inheritance would be when his father passed. I don't know where they get $20 million for a waiter. Don't know. Don't know where they saw that growth potential, but that's what they sued for, and that's what they got. Which is why we had that drama with OJ later in life, with him trying to steal his own stuff, because basically he was trying to get his stuff so he can sell it, so he can pay this $20 million. Because he didn't have any kind of enough insurance or any kind of liability insurance to cover that. I don't think anybody really anticipates taking out if you if you take out if, if you take out an insurance policy liability just just in case I might kill somebody people need to ask questions authorities need to be involved that's not a normal thing people ask for so he he had that guy right as an individual maybe if he had played if he was playing in the two thousands. <laughs> Instead of being retired in the 2000s, he he might have had that kind of money because he the talent he had he might have got paid that kind of money, but not when he played, not in the 70s and the 80s. No, no, he wasn't getting paid. Whatever money he got, he got off the field doing TV endorsements, you know, marketing himself, doing movies, that kind of thing. He wasn't a millionaire playing football. But I bring all that up to say this to you. And and my cousin was the family member was bringing it down to me. And he, he said, so we got those kids, right? Their daddy is a doctor. Or he's this person, let's say two 30-year-olds. One 30-year-old is homeless. One 30-year-old is a doctor. So if you project that that person is going to live another 35 years, 45 years, right? That you basically just kind of figure what his potential income would be over the next 45 years. Or how many years you think he's going to work? Do you think he's going to retire at 65? So the next 35 years, right? And then in a wrongful death suit, that's what you ask for based on that. But $250,000 is the base, which gets us to the 30-year-old homeless guy who we don't know why he's homeless. We don't know if it was mental, whether it was by choice, whether it was a domestic situation. We don't know why he was homeless. Only know he's homeless. And he had no income potential. Best you're going to get is $250,000, not less his wrongful death was created by an egregious act. In which case, 
probably can milk that for a little more. Just on the egregiousness of what happened to him. But it's a typical kind of deal where it's like you know, hit him with the car or you know something you know not like he tried to chop him up with a with a with a grinder or something. You know, nothing egregious. But by some kind of negligence that person died. The homeless person died. And he had family to sue. So, as tragic as that is, he may only get $250,000. So, what I'm conveying to you, ladies and gentlemen, is that you need to make sure that your life is worth something. Now, granted, not everybody should be rooting for or anticipating a wrongful death. But let, let's 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 use this context, right? Just on the mere fact that you exist on this planet, your life is worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's the standard that has been set. How valuable do you want to be? And this is particularly to the young folks. How value do you want to, How valuable do you want to be? How much of an impact do you want to make? Because in this day and age, two hundred fifty thousand dollars is comfortable. It's a nice little nest egg to have as a savings, right? But you can only live off that for so long. It's nice if you made that in one year. Right as a salary, but that's all you got. That's all you got to show for it. Everything that you've done throughout your whole life—it's not really much. So, how valuable do you want to be? How much worth do you want to assess to yourself? How important? How much of a difference do you want to make? Right? Because the more of a difference that you make, and that determines what profession you're in, the more of a difference that you make, the more value, valuable you become. Right? Doesn't matter if you're an IT guy. The world is run by computers now, basically. That's a valuable skill set. Right? Are you providing for your family? Are you working a job that may put your life on the line like the military or uh, fire or police or public safety job? Young people, I want you to think about that. I want you to, and parents, I want you to get your young folks to start thinking about, especially black kids, how valuable how valuable do you want to be? How much of a difference do you want to make? How much of an asset do you want to be to the world that you live in? Regardless of all the obstacles we talk about and that's out there, regardless of that white supremacy mindset in America, 
we have always managed. We have always managed to have some people to rise way above that and set a whole new standard and make them jokers have to change the rules of the game. Those are very valuable people. But what can you be? How valuable can you be? Ask yourself that question and figure out what needs to be done. Cousin, when my cousin put that on me, he put that, that was something that got on my heart. And I said, I'm going to have to share that. Because I think that's a campaign that we can deal with. How valuable are you? How much of an asset to this community are you? If something happens to you, what, what is, what's the value to that? How much of a loss is that to us? Right? Because we need to be made whole if, if we lose you. Y'all think about that. Until next time.